Okay, let me tell you about preborn. Uh, abortion's a tragic part of our lives as Americans. Even after the overturning of Roe versus Wade, it continues to rob children of the right to live. And what's more devastating is the majority of women who get abortions say later they would have chosen life if they just felt like they had support. That's where preborn comes in to fill the gap. Women are being told their babies are just clumps of cells. Preborn blows that away with free ultrasounds and postnatal care. Once they've introduced mom to her unborn child, she's twice as likely to choose life for that child. But then they also need more help. They need help after the child is born. When you support preborn, you not only support women, you empower them. And your donation of $28 will help a woman make the choice that she won't have to regret the rest of her life and then gives her the ultimate blessing, life and people around her who love her and will help her through the first couple of years. Dial pound 250, say the keyword baby, pound 250, keyword baby. It's preborn.com slash Glenn. I just want to give you a trigger warning. Uh, I'm about to share my truth. And my truth is my truth. It may not be your truth. Uh, and I'm going to share it. And I just want you to be triggered. I don't want you to be triggered. So you naturally, my truth is the truth. I'm going to share the truth. And that's your truth and my truth. Except it's not. It's just the ones that we have to bow down to, you know, the truth. Oh, yeah. I recognize that. It's weird. We're going to be sharing that. And so a lot of people, if you're on the freeway, try to get away from the other cars because if they happen to be listening and they happen to be, you know, believers in their truth, they're going to start twitching and it could get ugly on the highway. So just be safe out there. We continue in just a second with the ever loving truth. First, let me tell you about Goldline. The M2 money supply is shrinking which is a really rare event, not really seen since the Great Depression era. Amidst all the fluctuations, Wall Street is caught in the turbulence of unpredictability. Investors are taking note. History reveals a cautionary tale. Each significant contraction in the past 150 years was followed by a depression and double-digit unemployment rates. But this time it's different. I know, and that's your truth. This means the traditional economic safety nets are starting to fray. The Dow Jones, S&P 500, NASDAQ, all feeling the tremors. 
the historic decline of 3.17% year over year may be an ominous sign. Are your stocks, are they about to take a nosedive? How about the dollar? Did you see Moody's just downgraded us again? Wisdom calls for diversifying and stability. Just spread it out. As the dollar's uh, power weakens, financial institutions are recoiling. One firm is standing proud for 60 years and solid. It's Goldline. They have an opportunity unheard of in today's economic climate with every tube of 25 one-quarter-ounce Mayflower rounds that you purchase. Goldline is going to offer 200 of their Mind Your Business silver bars for free. So that's 200 silver bars for free. Call 866-GOLDLINE, 866-GOLDLINE, or goldline.com. Oh, my good friend, Dr. Vody Bachman is uh, with it. He with us. He is the author of The Ever-Loving Truth. How you doing, Vody? I'm doing great, man. It's good to talk to you again. Thank you. Are you in are you in Africa still? Yeah, I'm in Zambia right okay. now. Yeah. How are things in, in Zambia? I don't get to say that very often. <laughs> things are things are going okay. It's hot. Yeah, but, uh, things are going okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, Vody, I wanted to get you on because we're we're doing uh, renewal of the covenant the Pilgrims George Washington Abraham uh, Lincoln made uh, in our history, and um, it it all really revolves around the truth, and we have a problem with truth right now. And I know you have a book out, and you talk about a. Um, a pastor that uh, you were talking uh, talking to, and he said, "Let me tell you about my Bible study that I had a few weeks ago." And he was uh, teaching First uh, Corinthians chapter five. Can you tell that story? Do you remember that story? No, well, no. I, you got You got You got to help me. Okay, with so that he said um. he was sitting uh, <laughs> sitting down in a group full of uh, uh, people. And he was watching the young um, people because he got to the part of the text where it involved an affair uh, and uh, that he knew that, you know, there was going to be problems. And he said it wasn't the problem of the illicit affair that intrigued the younger set, but the idea that Paul would have. Yeah, Paul would have the audacity. The idea of the response. Right. That you should yeah, be removed that, from that the church. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Well, yeah, when you start asking me about the stories in the... In, I'm sorry, in the book, yeah, yeah. You, you can throw me a little bit. <laughs> I know, but, I'm sorry. Um, yeah, that, that was the idea that the people were offended by the absolute truth claim, more offended by the absolute truth claim than they were by the sin itself. It, it's as though in, in this day, the greatest sin that you can commit is not what God calls sin, but actually calling out what God calls sin. And, you know, the, the, the reason that I sort of hesitate with that story is because, you know, this is an updated and re-released uh, version of a book, my first book yeah. that I actually wrote in, in 2004. And that's one of the stories from the actual, from the original, you know, book back in 2004. And the reason that we redid this, the reason that we did a, a, an update and revision was because those things I was talking about back then 
are not only still with us, but they've actually grown and mutated. Oh, yeah. And so today, you know, it wouldn't be, you know, an affair. Uh, today, it would be something about, you know, the, the trans and actually saying that, you know, trans women are, are not real women. Uh, but the fact of the matter is that this new version of tolerance has elevated, um, so- you know, everybody's personal desire above the word of God. How do you how do you describe this new tolerance? Because tolerance used to mean that, you know, you just put up with somebody who's saying things you don't necessarily agree with or don't like. And you're just like, you know, just let it pass. (laughs) But now you can't do that. Right. No, no, no. The, the, the new tolerance, you know, it's it's there's three pieces. There's relativism, pluralism and tolerance. And, you know, I put these together um, and talk about how they, they form this foundation. Relativism, the idea that, you know, truth is relative. There's, there's no absolute truth. Pluralism, all ideas are equal and of equal value. And tolerance is that you must celebrate the ideas of others and consider them of equal value to your own. So it's it's not disagreeing agreeably. It's not disagreeing at all. But there's a caveat. And the caveat is there are truths with which you can disagree. And they are truths found in the scripture. You don't have to you don't have to tolerate truths that are found in the scripture. You have to tolerate all people, but you don't have to tolerate you know, white, male, heterosexual, cisgendered, able-bodied, right. native-born, right? So, again, this new tolerance is, is selective and intolerant. You know, there's a, I, I've, I've noticed a really disturbing trend um, as we all, at least God-fearing people, um, have started to go, you know, maybe um, – we better turn back to God. Maybe I haven't done what I was supposed to do. Maybe I haven't, you know, I'm not the best representative of my faith. Um, and more and more people are starting to turn there. And some people are taking, uh, I've, I've talked to several people in, in America who believe that our constitution, it's old, outdated on our side, it's old, outdated, and it needs to be replaced yeah. with more of a religious state, which to me is terrifying and not the path that we're yeah. supposed to go down. Yeah, and it's interesting, you know, to think that our constitution, the U.S. Constitution, is the oldest standing constitution in the world by far. And I think it speaks to, it speaks to God's providence and the genius of the individuals, you know, who, who, who put it together. Um, but you know, that doesn't mean that it can't be eroded and it is being eroded. And I don't think the answer to the erosion is to somehow do what other countries do all the time, which is abandon it, um, you know, and, and, and try to do something new and try to do something different. Because the fact of the matter is, uh, you know, our worldview and foundation uh, is so skewed that whatever we came up with, I, I'd be afraid of. Yeah, so would I. Um, the the idea, though, that um, 
we have people from all different faiths, but we are a Judeo-Christian nation. That's what we were founded on. So how, you, you know, go ahead. That's why, that's why we can have people of so many different faiths, because our biblical morality is such that we do not force our faith on others. It is our biblical morality that laid the foundation for people to come and be free. It's our biblical morality that created the environment. And ironically, people are now trying to throw away that biblical morality, and the end result will be tyranny, not tolerance. The the average the role of the average Christian in I mean we've I, I think tolerance has been used against us um, because we've wanted yes. to be kind etc cetera, etc cetera, and we stop speaking the truth and uh, that's so misunderstood in today's world what what role should a Christian play in today's society what should we be doing. Yeah. And, you know, I talk about this in the book, too. And at the end of the day, we're, we're truth tellers. At the end of the day, we, we stand on the truth of the gospel. At the end of the day, we love people enough to tell them the truth. We believe that all men are sinners and that there is only one answer to man's sin problem. And when we present Christ and his person and work as the answer to man's sin problem, that is not us saying, I'm superior to you. That's us saying, I'm just one beggar telling another beggar where I found bread. Tell me um, your help help on this. There are so many people. I was just talking to Rob Schneider, the the actor and comedian, and he just converted, and uh, he's now a Christian where he was kind of nothing. And um, he said it's because evil is becoming so apparent now. I figured I should pick a side. Um, but, But for some reason, evil is not apparent to so many. For instance, I feel bad for the innocent people in Gaza that might be killed as collateral damage in a war, Um, just like I felt bad for Germans that were killed in the war as collateral damage. Um, But you're seeing people now on the streets call for the death of Jews, quoting Hitler um, and still... So many people all around the world are not waking up to uh, think this sounds evil. How do, how do you yeah, and how do you get people to wake up if they will stare evil in its face and do nothing? Yeah, that and that's the great irony. You know, it, people do see evil, but you know, as Isaiah warns, they actually call good evil and evil, evil good. good. And ultimately, this is a worldview issue. You keep hearing this same, and we've talked about this before when I was there with you in person, this same neo-Marxist worldview that divides the world into oppressors and the oppressed. And when you look at conflicts, you look at conflicts through that lens of who qualifies as the oppressor here, not by their actions, right, but by your classifications and who qualifies as the oppressed. And people are making decisions based on that and solely based on that. 
And that stops them from seeing evil things that they grew up knowing. I mean, there's not a person except for Nazis. There's not a person in America that didn't grow up being taught. You know, the Holocaust was a horror show. Yeah, yeah. And that's part of the great, you know, irony in all this. But there's less of that being taught than there is this oppressor oppressed binary, which is interesting because we don't want binaries with male and female, but we want binaries with oppressor oppressed, Mm -hmm. right? But there's so much of that being taught and it overwhelms anything else that's being taught um, in in terms of history. And, And also what's being taught is that there's certain ideologies that are evil because these ideologies are used to oppress people. And also this whole idea of anti-colonialism, right? And so if you can classify someone as a colonizer, right? I mean, that's like the worst thing in the world that anyone could do or be and anything that happens to them, they deserve. Um, we're talking to uh, Vody Bachman. We'll be back in just a second. Give me 60 seconds. Miracles can happen. In fact, they happen every single day. And sometimes they happen in ways that seem normal, but aren't. Consider this. Because of people like you every single day, the Ministry of Preborn is helping to rescue 200 babies from being aborted. Now, you can't tell me that's not a miracle. Preborn offers free ultrasounds, expecting moms meet their unborn child when they hear his or her little heart beating It changes everything, but that's not all. They care about the mom, too, because those 60% of those who had an abortion said, I wouldn't have chosen that if I thought that I had support. So they offer those mothers the help they need when choosing life for a full two years. A $28 donation, the price of an ultrasound, could make the difference between life and death of a child. So don't wait. Act today. If you have the means, you could would be it'd be great if you would consider a gift to save babies in a big way. Your tax deductible donation of five thousand dollars will sponsor preborn's entire network for twenty-four hours, helping to rescue two hundred babies. To donate, dial pound 250, say the keyword baby, that's pound 250, keyword baby, or donate securely at preborn.com slash Beck. That's preborn.com slash Beck. By the way, they have a 100% charity rating, so you can give with confidence. Sponsored by Preborn. 10 seconds, station ID. Uh, Vody, we're uh, we're doing um, we're renewing the covenant on Thursday, and I don't know, being in uh, in Zambia, if you've um, <laughs> heard us talk about it at all. But the idea that we make a covenant with God and turn our face back to Him to heal our land. Do you have any thoughts on this? On uh, the importance that we play in uh, being a covenant people? You know, Thanksgiving is coming up and and we always have a big Thanksgiving here um, in in Zambia. And a lot of people never experienced Thanksgiving before. And one of the things I do is I read um, George Washington's Thanksgiving proclamation. Oh, wow. And people are astonished, they're floored. Um, I mean, they, they just, they can't believe 
that you know that that was that that was said and that it's still allowed to stand and um you know they can't believe that kind of language was ever the language of you know a national leader um yeah in america and so i I, yeah I, i think we've lost a great deal in that regard we've we've lost a great deal we've lost our uh our relationship and we're on the ropes and I have been thinking, you know, for 25 years, seeing this coming, what can we do to stop it? And I think we're at the place where it's miracle time. It's miracle time. Um, Miracles have to happen. We have to uh, stand up, but stand up peacefully. Uh, And, you know, they're priming people to be violent. And we just can't go that way. It's going to take a miracle, but that's what we have to do. there has to be a revival. I mean, there, there just has to be a revival. There, there, God is our only hope. And unfortunately, just saying that is offensive in this day and age uh, because that's the last thing that people want to put their hope in. But it's the only, only. thing that will save us. You know, there, there, there's, there's nothing else. Yeah, do you want to put your hope in an election <laughs> another political party boy i i find very little hope hope there uh Vody, thank you for being on with us um Vody is the uh the founding dean of the african christian university school of divinity he is also the author of the book ever loving truth uh it came out last month but you can get it wherever books are sold just go online and look for the ever loving truth the updated uh, version, uh, what he uh, thought was coming our way back in <clears throat> 2004 <clears throat> is um, really amazing to read today, especially the updated version uh, on how far we have gone. Vody, God bless. Thank you. Hey, thank you so much. It's always a pleasure. God bless. Back in just a minute with more. The Glenn Beck Program. A, uh, a point of view on Veterans Day that I don't think you've heard anywhere else coming up in just a second. First, let me talk to you about MyPillow. MyPillow is, I mean, it's just a great company that makes great things. I am, I'm wearing their slippers right now. Um, they, uh, uh, they make great slippers. They make great uh, pillows. They make great towels. You name it. When you go uh, and buy one of the MyPillow products, you will find that they are made here in America. Um, they're made with the best product, and they're incredibly um, affordable. That's the best thing about them. They're great products that are affordable. Get a six-piece towel set right now for an amazing introductory sale price as low as $29.98 with the promo code BECK. Now, you can get the designer premium line for $20 more, but no matter what set you decide on, that's a 50% savings. The towels are really good, 
and you can find the offer at mypillow.com. Click on the radio listener special square and type in the promo code Beck and save 50%, mypillow.com. Right now, you can save 20 bucks off your subscription to Blaze TV. Just go to blazetv.com slash Glenn. Use the promo code Glenn. Well, November 11th, every year, marks the end of World War I. Overseas, it's called Armistice Day, which sounds kind of quaint and old-fashioned. We call it Veterans Day here in America. And this year on Veterans Day, a gigantic pro-Hamas protest uh, took place in London, of all places. And it was mostly peaceful, of course. But make no mistake, it was neither pro-peace nor anti-war. Even if you ignore the chance, you know, of from the river to the sea, you know, and taking them at their word, forcing Israel into a ceasefire right now is not the way to peace. I really want to I really I think that on Veterans Day weekend, we should get this. If the war would stop now without destroying Hamas, Hamas against uh, once again learns it can slaughter Jews, then run back home and hide behind its own civilians and the world will protect it. I'm home. I'm home. Time out. Time out. And instead of rebuilding, it will rearm and do it again and again and again and encourage others to do exactly the same. In fact, a Moss spokesperson told the New York Times he hoped the, quote, the state of war with Israel will become permanent on all of their borders. So accepting or pushing for a ceasefire, leaving Hamas in place only leads to more war and more death. Now, contrary to what the romantics past or present would have us believe, war is the sad truth, not the exception in human history. Lawrence Keeley wrote a book in 1996 called uh, War Before Civilization. And he makes the case through a survey of archaeology and tribal warfare that war was practically a constant in all tribal societies. Violent death was a shockingly high probability. Rousseau's, you know, noble savage was only ever a myth and a dangerous one as anybody who you know tried to cross the plains back in the 1800s found out peace far from the rule was the exception in fact according to keely pacifist tribes were generally either geographically insulated from the need for fighting or they were actually defeated tribes, tribes that had been hurt so bad that they had lost their taste for war. That's something you need to realize. Defeated tribes, do they have any parallels in modern history? Let's look at Germany and Japan, shall we? There was the first conflict, these nations, and they lost Always before, the nations had rebuilt an even stronger military when they lost. World War II was the first whose cost was so high that this time 
they rebuilt admittedly with a lot of help from America into pacifist nations. They had been so, uh, for the most part, they've been, you know, passive since. Now, China and North Korea are making threatening noises, and Japan is starting to reconsider the need for a warfighting capability. It's accepted wisdom now that Germany after World War I was humiliated, and this um, led to the rise of the Nazis. Certainly, Germany was humiliated repeatedly under the peace imposed by the Tre- uh, Treaty of Versailles. This also allowed anti-Semitism and conspiracy theories to fester, under which Germans came to believe their army was about to win World War I, only be to be stabbed in the back, betrayed from within uh, by Jews into a dishonorable surrender. What made this possible? Germany was not invaded in World War I. It was not occupied. It wasn't dismantled. Its army was not destroyed on the battlefield. Rather, it was allowed to surrender with what were still then customary military honors. Germany stopped fighting before being destroyed convincingly in its own eyes. It walked off the battlefield feeling humiliated by the Allies. Now, if that humiliation didn't occur, maybe Germany wouldn't have rebuilt its uh, military and launched World War II. But the history of nations, including Europe, suggests that it it might also have uh, done that anyway, maybe more slowly repeating wars of empire, because that's what happens over and over again. If Germany had been more thoroughly and clearly defeated paid a higher price pre-armistice for World War I, had its army destroyed, its territory invaded, and then rebuilt with Allied help, then perhaps the Weimar Republic could have held. Germany could have become a pacifist country for the next 80 years and counting. We won't know. But we shouldn't forget that pacifist democratic Europe as we know it is largely a product of post-World War II blood. It feels like the world is constantly going up in flames. But the truth is, when you look at history, we actually live in a golden age of peace. War is at an all-time low, as is the likelihood of dying a violent, horrible death. And all of this, with the horrors of modern warfare included. See, most of us just grew up under Pax Americana. So we can afford the pacifism that we hold so dear. But our time is the exception, not the rule in human history. And none of us should take that lightly. And we do. We take our success, our security... Our access to food, our access to what we now say are basic needs, we take them for granted all the time, let alone peace. We've been in far too many wars because we played America's policeman and we need to be out of that business. But we also should remember 
If the world wants durable peace, there's no substitute for clear victory. Reagan said it, peace through strength. I think I think what brought the Middle East to the table was Donald Trump's twitchy eye. He's like, this guy might do it, man. He might. That's peace through strength. The point of being strong is not so you can burn the world down every time you get bored. The point is to be so strong that no one will start a fight out of the cold certainty that will end in your utter defeat and possible death. Not only to deny the enemy victory, but any hope of victory. That's why you fight with everything you have. No hope for victory. The alternative is not, you know, hippie pacifism, flowers in the barrel. It's to allow all those who seek war and death to dictate the agenda. And that's what we're close to doing. The world is close to saying this. John Stuart Mill, he was a British philosopher. He saw the American Civil War coming. He thought it would be worth the cost. Or it least not the worst alternative 1848 ahead of the american civil war he wrote war in a good cause is not the greatest evil which a nation can suffer war is an ugly thing but it's not the ugliest of things the decayed and degraded state of moral and patriotic feeling which thinks nothing is worth a war is worse We attacked yet again in Syria. Iran has named us the great Satan. And they said last week that we are uh, that, that death to America is not an empty chant. It is policy. I hope to God we're not dragged into anything. But I will tell you, the best chance we have of not being dragged into anything is to let Israel do what Israel is doing. Let them take away any hope of any kind of military victory. That will do more to keep the peace. That's the things that our veterans have done in the past. And because I wasn't here last week, we should thank a veteran. Happy Veterans Day. How often are you getting to the gun range to practice shooting? Are you doing it once a week, once a month? If you're like me, you really enjoy target practice, but... I'm not going because it's way too expensive for the ammunition. I just don't want to just I just don't want to waste all that ammunition. And it's not a waste, but it's just a ton of cash. And can you get it again? I mean, I just don't want to burn through all of it. I need it. I need it. One alternative to this is Mantis X, and it's the one I use. It's a high-tech, easy-to-use system used widely by the military, and it helps you improve your shooting quickly. You just attach it to your firearm, connect it with an app on your smartphone or tablet via Bluetooth. Then, whether you're dry firing actual rounds or even dry firing you know, for practice, 
It'll give you an instant feedback on what you're doing right, what you're doing wrong, and how to correct it. It's all right there, live. It's like having a firearms instructor right next to you. It's going to save you money. You're going to get better at shooting, and you're not going to waste your ammunition. Start improving today. Get yours at MantisX.com. That's MantisX.com. The Glenn Beck Program. Welcome to the uh, Glenn Beck program. We're we're just uh, stunned by the pro-Palestinian uh, rallies. I mean, I get it, except I don't get that people are embracing it with what they're saying. Listen to this. This is a protest leader in D.C. this weekend. Okay, so that's going on in Washington, D.C. It's a good argument for um, a two-state solution. That's all it was. It called. really is. And this one is, too. This uh, is a anti-Israel protester, Palestinian. Listen to this. If the West feels so sorry for the Israeli Zionists, why don't they give a place in Germany? Why don't they go to Hitler's back garden and make occupation there? Then they will know what kind of people these are. Why every so many hundred years, the Zionists get slaughtered because Hitler knew how to deal with these people. They probably made a program so they can create a state of Israel in the expense of Palestinian Muslims' blood. Wow. Wow. Okay. And as bad as that is, by the way, we should note that there's people standing right next to him, not even like oh, yeah. looking shocked. No, nope. no, no argument. They don't try to move away to get out of the camera shot. Nope. And by the way, for all those who are suffering in the hospitals, here is a video of a mom who apparently saw her injured son in the hospital in Gaza. So she ran to be with him in the video. You'll see him assure that it's all a fake mom and he unwraps his bloody head gauze uh, to show. There he is. There's mom. Look, see? That's incredible. And that's in the hospital. It looks like the, you know, emergency room of the Caught hospital. Video. Yeah. But, don't but let's take it. the Hamas health, uh, Gaza Health Ministry's word for yeah. each uh, and every injury. That is a war crime. That for is a war crime. To no, to uh, hide under a hospital. Mm-hmm. It's a war crime. Yeah, it's fascinating because you know they throw this out all the time that every attack on Gaza is a war crime. I, I've read a fascinating piece from a, a lawyer who was talking about what international law actually is. Because I mean, I would look at this and say, okay, well, you need to. Do what you need to do to protect your people and and you know you have a basic calculus on how that works right you don't want to kill tons of innocent people obviously to go after a military target but if you have to go after a military target you have to make those judgments right 
Apparently, it's a lot more complicated than that when it comes to international law. Shockingly, it's yeah. not just like oh, on a whim. Let's. I don't know. This one seems. Wait worth a minute. It. You, are you telling me attorneys might be involved? Yeah. In, in war, there are layers and layers and layers of of this of how to figure out whether each individual attack is worthy of the standard of international law, and the. Uh, the attack, it has nothing to do with, oh, well, you know, Gaza says 10,000 have been di- killed and only 1,400 were killed on October 7th. It's got nothing to do with that. That's not what proportionate means. What does proportionate mean? I mean, you know, I think the layman's term would be like, well, if you rape and decapitate a bunch of our people, I guess we do the same to you. That's eye for that's an eye. That's eye for an eye. It's obviously not that. But people would say, okay, well, maybe the numbers need to be similar. No, that's not the standard at all. What is the standard? The standard is um, basically each... the degree any degree of damage up to and including death that civilians have not be excessive in relation to the military advantage anticipated from a strike against a military target so so basically each individual bombing is guided by this principle of we have to justify not just internally but with outside lawyers and sometimes the israeli supreme court by the way that you have to look at this and say, okay, we we know these lawyer, we believe these, you know, Hamas representatives are there, and we have to say how much, how does that, how do we justify that killing potential civilians that are there as well in collateral damage, and if there's tons and tons and tons of them, even with a high level Hamas leader, they might not take that particular opportunity. Well, so the average is how many deaths globally? According to this, the average is nine civilians for every one military member. And how much is it with uh, Israel? We don't know right now because obviously they're in the middle of this. But the most recent attack from Israel prior to October 7th was 0.6 to 1. So normal is 9 to 1. Israel is doing it at 0.6 to 1, but they're committing genocide. Wow. The Glenn Beck Program. 